0: Coming up on Studios America, Ovik Roy is here to explain why the U.S. hasn't taken a bigger interest in cryptocurrency. Dave Chappelle is in trouble yet again for doing the exact thing comedians are supposed to do. And the left's fundamental misunderstanding of how basic currency works continues to boggle my mind. Let's help them figure out which foot goes into which shoe as we do the trillion dollar coin. Stew does America. Have no fear. Bipartisanship is here. Bipartisanship, by the way, always leads to terrible things. I mean, almost always. So they're going to raise the debt ceiling and it looks like there's a deal done, or at least in in the process of being done between Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. What a wonderful marriage that is. Uh, to extend the debt limit, uh, or at least push, the, you know, kick the ball down the road a little bit—not uh, too much, only to December. How much money would you think you need to extend the debt ceiling to get us to December? Now, I'll remind you for a moment here: we're in October, so there's. This is just a review for those who don't know. October, November, December is just two months away. How much money do you need to put in that debt ceiling to be able to guarantee a couple of months? Answer, four hundred and eighty billion dollars. The embarrassment has no end. By the way, that doesn't even get you to the end of December. That gets you to early December, four hundred and eighty billion dollars. Now, I was told and I was promised we were going to have a fun trillion dollar coin instead. The trillion dollar coin is the thing that's going to solve this. All we have to do is mint a trillion dollar coin and we could just get rid of this debt limit silliness. So many people are saying that, especially on the left. And you hear that and you're like, okay, what is this? This can't possibly be a serious proposal. And yet it is. This is like a legitimate thing that a lot of people on the left actually believe that we could mint a trillion dollar coin and it would get rid of all of our debt limit problems. Look, neither side of the aisle really likes the debt limit. It just is a constant highlight to tell everybody in America how bad a job they're doing. That's basically what it is. It pops up. It's we get these sort of fake panics about default. Uh, And then uh, over time, we wind up passing this thing. And then both sides put in their ads. Did you know that that Democrat voted to raise the debt ceiling? And then the other side says, did you know the Republican voted to raise the debt ceiling? And then we get on with our lives. That's the normal course of events. The way to get past that, we're told from the left, is a trillion dollar coin. So where the hell did this trillion dollar coin idea come from? It's... It's going to blow your mind. The concept of a trillion dollar coin first gained traction on blogs in the early 2010s. Literally, the idea came from a blog commenter named Beowulf. We are close to outsourcing our system of government and finance to a blog commenter who named himself after a 2007 Crispin Glover movie. Okay, shut up. I know there was a poem, too. But poems suck, and Crispin Glover movies are awesome. So how did Beowulf come up with this idea? Well, a 1997 law that was intended to help the U.S. Mint make money off of coin collectors gives the Treasury Secretary the power to mint platinum coins of any denomination for any reason. Got it? So the law says the government can mint commemorative platinum coins in any denomination for any reason. Well, then maybe that denomination could be $1 trillion. And the reason can be to completely dissolve our economic system as we know it. The concept goes like this. The Fed, not the government, has control of printing money. So the easy answer I think we would all as conservatives know that, okay, the government prints money all the time. Why don't we just print money if they want to do this? Well, they can't do that. That's the Fed. But the law that was passed in the the late 90s lets us mint coins, these commemorative coins, in platinum and only platinum. Can't be bronze, can't be silver, must be platinum. We can mint the coin for a trillion dollars, and it's official because of some meaningless law that wasn't at all supposed to do anything like this we would then take that trillion dollar coin and we'd walk it over to the Fed and we'd deposit it into our Fed account so we pay off our debt and then we become a trillion dollars below the debt ceiling again. And then we can mock the global financial system for a couple more months of spending like maniacs. This, for lack of a better word, is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It's also basically the plot of a Simpsons episode.
1: In 1945, the people of Europe struggled to rebuild following the war. (laughs) Shut
0: Shut up, Simpson. Simpson. To ease this crisis, President Truman promised relief. American tax dollars will help our allies who fought so poorly and surrendered so readily.
1: make good on this drunken post, Truman authorized the one-time printing of the largest denomination currency ever, a trillion-dollar bill. Ooh, a trillion-dollar bill. That's a spicy meatball.
0: (laughs) So basically, we're forming monetary policy on the basis of random web commenters and Homer Simpson. But this is not just the area of Homer Simpson. This isn't just the intellect level of Homer Simpson, or maybe it is Paul Krugman of The New York Times. Go ahead, Democrats, and do whatever it takes to get through this gimmickry in the defense of sanity and in an important sense, democracy is no vice. Yeah, a Nobel Prize winning economist is actually supporting this and a prominent one, Zachary D. Carter from The Washington Post, quote, silly problems demand silly solutions. Hayes Brown from MSNBC. If the choice is the Republicans sticking to their guns and watching Biden preside over the first default on debt in American history, or feeling silly about minting a coin, just go ahead and mint the thing. Can you believe, these are supposedly serious people. This isn't Homer drunk on duff at Moe's. Dylan Matthews from Vox. If the choice is between default and presidential power grab, a power grab is the only defensible course of action. Never let a crisis go to waste. In a Q&A where they advocate for the use of the trillion dollar coin, you get this gem from The Atlantic. Question, can we just cut this short? I need to run out and buy some canned food and gold bars to prep for the coming hyperinflation. Answer, take a deep breath before you do something rash like buying overpriced gold coins from Glenn Beck's buddies. (laughs) See, it's crazy to buy gold from crazy people like Glenn Beck. Now, can I interest you in a fake trillion dollar coin minted through a loophole in a law designed to make Sacagawea dollars? Don't don't, Don't think about that at all. Certainly not too much, because this is sort of a new genre of journalism. It's the opposite. Of a think piece.
1: Does
0: this is just crazy. We are in crazy town. How is this happening? All right, this fall. Maybe you're getting, uh, maybe you're you're coming back a little bit. Maybe you've been dealing with the craziness of the past couple years, and you're thinking to yourself, I wanna do something fun. I want something cool in my life. Bespoke Post is here with a new seasonal lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every single month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From Autumn Craft Beers, if you're an Oktoberfest guy, this is the way to go, uh, to cozy threads and camping gear essentials. If you're outdoorsy, I happen to be more indoorsy, as Jim Gaffigan would say, but if you're outdoorsy, they've got everything. Box of Awesome has everything for you, no matter what you like. All you have to do is go to boxofawesome.com and you take a little quiz there. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. And they release new boxes every single month across a ton of different categories. This is a really cool subscription. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. They make it really easy. If you want to skip a month, whenever you want. Now, each box costs only $45. Now, They always say this. They say, oh, it has more than $70 worth of gear inside. That's true, technically. Uh, Just like we spend more than a million dollars a year on the federal government. I've never seen a box uh, that is only $70. It's always, uh, everyone I've ever seen has been a lot more than that. It's a really cool value and a lot of fun as well. And with each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. It's really cool. Get 20% off your monthly box when you sign up for Box of Awesome at boxofawesome.com enter the code stew at checkout this is a fantastic gift if you have some uh, for christmas or anything else coming up boxofawesome.com code is Stu for 20 percent off your first box happy to bring Ovik roy back on the program he's the president of the foundation for research on equal opportunity and author of the new piece in national affairs bitcoin and the u.s fiscal reckoning i'll tweet out a link to that here in a little bit uh Ovik, how are you Hey, Stu, how's it going? Uh, great, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I, this is an important piece, I feel like. It, it feels like kind of a watershed moment here. This is a you know, major, serious policy journal, and we're talking
1: about Bitcoin. I mean, th- this is, it's come a long way. I believe it's the first major treatment of Bitcoin in a mainstream policy journal.
0: That's what I mean. That's a that's a big moment, a, a watershed moment here as we're looking at spending, what, another four or five trillion dollars on uh, all of these bills. I think there's a real connection, not just to conservatives, but to everybody. When they see all of this money going out the door, they know what is around the corner. They know inflation is coming. They know what we're doing now is unsustainable. And you propose Bitcoin as a big part of the solution.
1: You know, it's interesting. This piece could have easily been three or four times as long as it was, because there's so many different elements of of the case I'm trying to make in the piece. And And basically what I'm trying to do is a couple things. One, kind of walk people through how the federal debt works. Like when we borrow all this money or spend all this money we don't have, How is it that we actually borrow money? Who lends it to us? So I walked through that. And basically, the short answer is the Treasury Department issues Treasury bonds that people buy. That's effectively a way of lending the government money. But uh, over time, what's happened is the people who normally buy Treasury bonds, investors, foreign governments, are buying fewer and fewer of them. And the Federal Reserve, the U.S. government, is buying more and more of them. Uh, to try to stimulate the economy and keep interest rates lower. The end result of that is the Federal Reserve is massively increasing the supply of U.S. dollars in circulation, even though the economy's size is roughly the same. So if you have more dollars chasing the same economy, what does that mean? That means that each of your dollars is worth less. And you want to know why the stock market is flying? You want to know why home prices are up 24% in the last 12 months? All of these things are driven by the fact that your dollar is worth less when it comes to purchasing the kinds of things where you're competing against wealthy people and financial institutions for those purchases homes venture capital stock markets those are the things that have inflated in this environment
0: yeah you really go through i think in a really interesting way the uh, the history of all of this i want to i want to kind of go through this a little bit piece by piece if we could And it started with something that I think I've even thought and said many times, which is there's this kind of uh, in, in conservative circles, at least there's this idea that we have this terrible inflation that's caused by Jimmy Carter. And, you know, eventually Ronald Reagan comes in and deals with it. Right. Like that's the picture I think most conservatives have in their mind. But you take it back before Carter and say there's a much bigger problem that happened back with Richard Nixon.
1: That's exactly right. So in 1971, almost exactly 50 years ago last month, uh, uh, Richard Nixon took us off something like the gold standard. I won't get into the you know, the, the gory details of it. Basically, the U.S. dollar used to exchange at 1 35th of a troy ounce of gold. You as an individual were restricted a little bit in how you could do that. But governments, including foreign governments, if they held U.S. dollars, If they had $35, for every $35 they held, they could exchange that for one ounce of gold in U.S. vaults. Uh, But the problem was that because of irresponsible fiscal and economic policies by Richard Nixon and Lyndon Johnson, uh, the, the rest of the world had this massive amount of dollars, that had been used to stimulate the economy and also grow foreign trade to the point where there were $65 billion owned by foreign governments, but only $11 billion worth of gold in US vaults. So we didn't have the gold available to redeem all those dollars. So Nixon basically said, screw it, uh, we're going to get off the gold standard and the dollar will float freely and trade freely. Well, that sounds fine, I suppose, for the US at that time. But the end result was the dollar went from being worth 1/35th of an ounce of gold over a 10-year period to being worth 1/1,000th 1 1 of an ounce of gold. So the purchasing power of a dollar relative to gold went down by 93%. And that was the driver of the inflation that we saw throughout the 70s, but culminated in those Carter years. We, we accused Carter of being responsible for stagflation, but the inflation really started with Nixon.
0: Mm. And, and it's interesting what, what the lessons people have taken from all of this. Because we wound up surviving it, because we are still largely a superpower, this belief sort of rose on the left um, of the, that we didn't really need to worry about this anymore. The, the concern of the debt that we've had for all these years is silly. We can always just print more money and we should start embracing that overtly through modern monetary theory. Um, this is, it's, it's almost shocking to me that anybody (laughs) believes this, but it really is a rising view, particularly on the left.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, the, the interesting thing about it, about it, Stu, is that while the mon- the far left monetary, modern monetary theory, which is basically we can run infinity federal debt and no one will care because we run the world. That's obviously completely crazy. <laughs> the, the um, let's call it the moderate or mainstream version of that theory is that we can run a lot of debt, Right. You look at what Biden is doing. You look what look at what uh, happened uh, during Republican leadership too, right? We all those COVID relief bills; those weren't paid for, right? So we inc- massively increased the debt over the last year. We're increasing it more if Biden has his way, and effectively, what politicians have said is, yeah, we can we can have more debt because it appears that we can borrow all the money we want, and the federal government issues these treasury bonds, and people are buying them and interest rates are low, and there hasn't been a ton of inflation, which is what you'd normally expect under classical economic rules. So clearly everything's fine, right? Well, no, and, and, and as you allude to, what I walked through in the piece is, the low interest rates that we have today, like if you actually try to take out a mortgage for your home, to buy a home, you'll notice the interest rates are lower than they were you know, uh, a few years ago, or even during most of your life. Well, the reason for that isn't because the market thinks everything is fine. It's because the Federal Reserve is suppressing artificially what interest rates are by buying treasury bonds, by basically intervening in the market for treasury bonds. So effectively, the analogy I'd give for people who who don't follow this stuff closely is, you know when you take out a credit card and you run up a big bill on your credit card, and instead of paying off the credit card, you take out a second credit card, which you use (laughs) to pay off the first credit card, that's basically what the federal government is doing.
0: I'm not going to say that's very familiar in my life uh, from younger years. I'm not going to admit that here on television, but uh, I think some people might be familiar with that process. Um, it's, it's interesting. You go back. Uh, one thing I had never really considered, and this goes back to you have you go back to Hayek and before it talking about this is that inflation. Yes, it's bad, but it, the, the printing of money winds up helping people who get that money first, who are closest to that printing, essentially. You we walk through some of the high ticket items that have inflated the most, and this really connects here. I, it's something I had never really considered before. It's not just about inflating, it's about creating almost, in a, in a way, inequality because of that printing.
1: Yeah, those of us who think of ourselves as conservatives or free marketeers, we often roll our eyes when people talk about wealth inequality. But we're seeing a massive expansion of wealth inequality over the last 50 years since that Nixon decision to leave the gold standard. And the driver of wealth inequality has been monetary policy. The fact that we've massively increased the supply of U.S. dollars in circulation, far greater than you would expect just from economic growth, but those excess dollars aren't being distributed equally in society. Those extra dollars that the Federal Reserve prints are given to banks. That's how the Federal Reserve works. It gives money to banks. And so that money then goes to banks. And who do the banks give it to? They give it to the most creditworthy individuals, institutions, large corporations, uh, hedge funds, investment funds, venture capital funds, private equity funds, and rich people. Those are the people that the banks lend the money to, because those are the people that the banks know will pay the money back if they lend money to those institutions' individuals. So What ends up happening is when the Fed prints all these extra dollars, it's not like they're distributed to you know, the steel worker and the person working at McDonald's. They're distributed to Chase and Wells Fargo and Merrill Lynch and Bank of America, and then the money goes to you know, Bain Capital uh, and KKR and uh, Silicon Valley. And 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 so it's not, and, you know, eventually it eventually filters down in home prices because rich people buy homes, and stock market because hedge funds buy stocks, and and that is how inflation is flowing through society, and and this is a huge, hugely important thing, Stu, because what you hear the Fed say and what you hear a lot of people say is, well, inflation is low, by which what they mean is the official government. Uh, uh, measures of inflation, which are measure things like the price of milk, not the price of homes, not like the price of the stock market, not like the price of healthcare—at least not as, as clearly. So, effectively, what's happening is what the Federal Reserve is Federal Reserve is claiming inflation is low because they're looking at this artificially generated measure of inflation that isn't actually a reflection of where we're seeing inflation in the world, which is in things that wealthy people and corporations buy. Yeah, I mean, it's a great gig if you can get it because you
0: get the money on uh, on the early side after the printing, and then you get to buy things before the inflation kicks in. So you're getting the lower prices. I mean, look, it's good work if you can get it. we more with Ovik Roy here in just a couple of minutes to talk about uh, Bitcoin and get into that whole, what's the solution here in just a, just a second? Uh, the solution for a lot of people right now is selling their home. Why? Because, I don't know. Prices have gone up so much, the market has gone crazy over the past six months to a year. And so people are thinking, I actually have a a friend who is selling their house to move into an apartment for a while until the market calms down because they can get this big profit and they're going to maybe build something later on. A lot of people are making decisions like this. These are really important decisions for your life when it comes to your financial future and you need a real estate agent that you can trust that's going to help you get the best price whether you're buying or selling a home real estate real that's the place to go to make sure you can lock in the best real estate agent in your area no matter where you are in the country real estate it's real estate com. Let me bring it over to Bitcoin though, because uh, Satoshi, uh, who created Bitcoin, or a group of people, we don't know who Satoshi really was, uh, but Satoshi believed in the concept of sound money. Coming off of 2008, very frustrated about what, how things turned out. And he believed in this concept of sound money. What is this concept exactly?
1: Yeah, and this and this comes back to the thing that you were you were discussing a little bit earlier in your last questions too, which is that we think of Bitcoin as this newfangled thing, but <laughs> Bitcoin is actually an embodiment in a twenty first century technological front end, you could say, of some very classical concepts in economics that were best articulated most recently by what we think of as the Austrian school of economics, which is this the free market economists like. Most people have heard of Friedrich Hayek, he's the, one of the most famous. Uh, his antecedent or ancestor was a guy named Ludwig von Mises, who was really the founder of the Austrian School of Economics. And, and those individuals really talked a lot about not just uh, the, the, the moral value of sound money, but the historical performance of sound money. And what is sound money? Sound money is this idea that the quantity of money in circulation, if it's kept relatively constant, is beneficial to the prosperity of average people think about it this way when when you and i were young Stu, it was pretty routine to be able to park money in a certificate of deposit a cd or a savings account and get like an eight percent interest rate on that right Mm -hmm. Uh, because the us dollar wasn't really expanding at some massive rate and so you could save your money and know that uh that your money would actually become would, would grow in value relative to other currencies and other stores of wealth uh, over time that's eroded quite a bit gold is the great example of that if you had actually just p- put all your money in gold in 1971 and and uh, not in the US dollars uh, your money would be worth a lot more today you know we mentioned that um, the US dollar was worth 135th of a, a troy ounce in 1971 now it's 11700th of a troy ounce so it's really collapsed right so the idea behind sound money is if, if the government, in the case of a government-owned currency, doesn't expand the supply of those dollars or whatever currency it is, keeps it the same, then uh, over time, as your economy grows, each one of those dollars is worth more. It's like waterfront real estate. There's only so much real estate to go, along, go around. And if you own some of it, its value will go up over time as more and more people want to live on that waterfront. Sound money works the same way. And the ideal sound money in von Mises' time, which was 100 years ago, was gold, because the idea was that yes, the amount of gold, uh, uh, that is, the supply of gold in the world increases very slowly, gradually over time, but basically stays roughly constant. And so the idea is that if gold is your unit of money, then as the economy grows, each uh, bar of gold is worth more because there's only so much gold. If there's only 10, 10 units of gold, say, but the economy doubles in size, then each unit of gold is worth twice as much. That's basically the theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bitcoin is even better than that because while gold supply increases gradually by a couple percent a year, Bitcoin supply is fixed at 21 million Bitcoin. So the, the, the idea that Satoshi Nakamoto was promoting was that if all the world's money was captured in those 21 million Bitcoin, Then as more and more people use Bitcoin and choose it and and use it as their store of value, then those, those 21 billion Bitcoin will be worth more and more over time. In contrast to the US dollar and the Japanese yen and the Euro, where those governments, because of their debts and deficits, have to print and increase the supply of money, meaning that each unit of money is worth less over time. So you compare Bitcoin to the US dollar, Bitcoin is worth more and more and more over time the US dollar is worth less and less and less over time. And that's the principle of sound money because Bitcoin has no deficit. It has no budget. It has no treasury bond. So Bitcoin supply stays the same over time. And so if you're a person who's worried that the government is going to try to basically take your money away, you know, the the, the, the Bill of Rights says the government can't take your land without basically paying you just compensation for it, right? Mm -hmm. They can't search your house without a warrant. And so think of sound money as the bill of rights of money. The government can't devalue your savings and your your net worth basically because it's owned by, it, it's in a denomination. It's in a currency that the government doesn't control.
0: Mm, it's really, it really is an elegant solution to so many of the problems we talk about on, on a regular basis. Let me ask you, for, let me, because the piece is great, and it goes into a lot of depth on how this can be a big part of the solution and what uh, the, the, the government and the American people can do to, to look toward Bitcoin and similar solutions to go down this road. But I want to focus on one that's particular for conservatives here before I let you go. You say that Bitcoin cannot be censored. And I think when people think of a Bitcoin, they're thinking of a currency, a store of value. What do you mean it can't be censored? I think this is the key, especially for conservatives and, and the things we're dealing with with big, big tech and everything right now. This is such an important part of this. Can you explain?
1: Uh, China shut down the pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily in Hong Kong. And what's interesting about that is that they didn't do that by censoring the paper by say banning their content. They didn't do it by jailing their executives. They actually did jail their executives but the newspaper kept printing. The way they were able to successfully shut down Hong Kong's pro-democracy newspaper was by freezing their bank accounts. Because Mm -hmm. once they froze the bank accounts of Apple Daily, Apple Daily couldn't pay its journalists. It couldn't pay its printers. It couldn't pay its suppliers. And so they had to close. And that's how China shut down the pro-democracy voice in Hong Kong. And the U.S. government wants to try to do the same things and has tried to do the same things here in terms of shutting down legal businesses that are politically disfavored by the administration in power. And so if you actually give uh, the U.S. government the ability to freeze your bank accounts or control the way you spend your money with a centralized version of the U.S. dollar, Uh, They're going to have a lot more power than they do now. Bitcoin is the exact opposite. If I want to send you money via Bitcoin, Stu, uh, and I have an internet connection, that's all I need. Nobody can stop me from sending you that Bitcoin. And that's something that the the US government doesn't like, because what what they'll argue, the best argument they'll give is, well, if we want to fight terrorism, if we want to fight criminals, we've got to control the way money is transmitted around the world. And It's true that Bitcoin does as a technology and cryptocurrencies as a technology more so than Bitcoin specifically uh, uh, allow uh, people to evade government control of currency, but it goes both ways. If you want to support Russian dissidents like Alexei Navalny, the leader of the Russian opposition, he takes Bitcoin as donations because the Russian government otherwise tries to starve him of funds. Mm. Same goes with Juan Guaido in Venezuela, uh, we send him Bitcoin in order to support his opposition movement to the regime in uh, Venezuela So yes it's true that uh, that the US government doesn't have control of Bitcoin but neither do tyrannies around the world and and, and why is this important it's important because at the end of the day uh, you know one of the, one of the, the and part of what I was trying to get to with this piece was Bitcoin is bad for America's ability to borrow money at Infinitum So you can imagine a lot of Americans, even conservative Americans saying, you know what? We wanna be able to borrow money. We gotta protect American interests. And American interest means we've gotta suppress Bitcoin because we want to force people to let us borrow money, right? That could be one argument you hear. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the problem with that is if we do that, if we allow the government to have that power, then we give Americans no recourse from inflation. We give ordinary Americans who maybe, maybe you're 65 and you've just retired and you're getting your social security checks, which are not going up 5% a year or 10% a year or 20% a year. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna live, right? How are you gonna pay your rent? Well, Bitcoin helps you do that. If you're saving in Bitcoin now, the value of Bitcoin relative to the dollar goes up and you can protect your savings, you can protect the value of your wages over time. And so the, the one of the points I try to make in the piece is, America, the policymakers who believe in protecting Americans from the irresponsibility of the government need to support Bitcoin. And the other piece of it too, is that we also have to support the fact that the US is actually the world leader in in digital asset technology and financial technology. And if we shut off Bitcoin and we shut off crypto, we're playing into China's hands. China hates Bitcoin precisely because they wanna control everything. They wanna be the authoritarian, totalitarian state. They don't wanna let you have any sort of independent thing that's independent of the government. And so this is one of the few areas of the global economy where the U.S. is is guaranteed to be a world leader if we just let people do what they want to do and innovate in this incredibly exciting new sector. Because if we do, the Chinese won't follow us because they can't.
0: That's mm. it's a great point. And I will say, I mean, you know, there's a lot of great arguments for Bitcoin. The fact that the Chinese uh, Communist uh, Party does not like it is one of the best. <laughs> if they don't like it, I do. Uh, Ovik Roy, president of the Foundation uh, for Research on Equal Opportunity and author of the new piece in National Affairs. You should definitely take the time to read this. Bitcoin and the U.S. Fiscal Reckoning. It's an important piece. Head over to my Twitter uh, account and, uh, and I'll, I'll post it there. Ovik, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thank you, Stu.
0: So do you like a good snack throughout the day, but you'd rather not pack on the pounds doing it? Well, that's very common. Normally I just stuff, you know, whatever hostess product is around uh, into my gullet. And that does, as you can see here, it does not work out all that well. But if you want to actually, I don't know, maybe slim down a little bit, maybe just have something that's satisfying and healthy, How about flavors like coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream? Does that seem like something you can get on board with? If so, you need Bilt Bars. Uh, You can get a mixed box of Bilt Bars. There's nine flavors. You get two of each. Uh, They have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories or less, only four to five grams of sugar, four to five net carbs. But you wouldn't know that by tasting them because they taste fantastic and you can get rid of that sweet tooth and still be healthy. Right now, you can go to Built.com and get a special deal uh, if you use the promo code Stew15. That's 15% off your first order. You're going to be addicted to these things. You might as well get 15% off that first one because you're going to be ordering over and over and over again. Built.com. The promo code is Stew15. Bernie Sanders is in the news, not for spending your trillions and trillions of dollars. No one seems to care too much about that. Instead, he's in the news because of what happened with Kirsten Cinema. Now, if you remember, we c- talked about this earlier in the week, uh, protesters followed Kirsten Cinema into the potty. And while she was going tinkle, tinkle, they decided to film the bathroom and talk to her and harass her in the bathroom and in the airport and on the plane and so many other places. Now, this is, I think, quite clearly insane. Right. We know that that's not the right thing to do. And it, it seemed like the easiest thing to do for other Democrats to come out and say, look, we want to spend these trillions of dollars. But you don't follow women into the bathroom when you're a guy and her. like that's way over the line. Right. Not to Bernie Sanders. Now, you might remember Bernie Sanders wrote a column about how all women want to be raped. So maybe he's going back to those days. I don't know. Uh, He would not sign his name to a letter that was circulating among Democrats to basically denounce these types of tactics. Sanders wanted the statement to urge Sinema to drop her opposition to prescription drug reform. Why the hell would that have anything to do with her being uh, harassed in a bathroom? As well as Biden's three point five trillion dollar B.S. spending bill. That's a little bit of my input into this article. An email exchange between Senate Democratic leadership aides obtained by Axios reveals Sanders withheld his name from a joint statement declaring protesters who followed cinema into the bathroom and um, filmed her while using the restroom as plainly inappropriate and unacceptable. He wouldn't even say that. Sanders communication director Mike Casca, who sounds like a really nice guy, indicated the senator did not approve of the statement and responded to an aide for another senator who organized the statement, writing Sanders will not be signing. So please cut Senate Democratic leadership team from headline. The report said that Cinema's orbit has expressed frustration that her colleagues have not stood up for her. Yeah, because they don't care about you in any way. They don't care about you. They only care about their own power and you are stopping their power from growing. So you're the enemy now until next week when they need your vote again. Um, This is just part of the craziness of our times, I think. So many people want to get their YouTube video. They get their face on a gotcha moment on YouTube. Uh, And uh, this is part and parcel of the, the heated idiocy that goes on in online political discussions. Now, Twitter's attempting to take to make a, to, I guess, try to stop this, or at least alert you as to what's going on. They've got a new feature coming out. They say, ever wanna know the vibe of a conversation before you join in? Hmm. We're testing prompts on Android and iOS that give you a heads up if the convo you're about to enter could get heated or intense. This is a work in progress as we learn how to better support uh, healthy conversation. I mean, this is going to be, I, I guess, my way of knowing if it's heated or not is to read it. But I guess they're saying, you know, if you try to make an innocent comment on some, let's uh, say, a global warming conversation, you might have both sides attacking you or whatever. They're trying to warn you in advance. I don't know. The steps they, the social media seems to take always seem to be the strangest ones to me. But I, it's better than editing conversations, I suppose. Uh, we're also having a brewing controversy in the ongoing attempt to uh, cancel Dave Chappelle. Now, he's as close to uncancelable as I think you can find. But I, I just don't think there is anyone who is uncancelable at this point. Obviously, Chappelle has made a career of, even he says in his special, um, he vilifying white people. <laughs> Now, look, he's a comedian and he does it for laughs. But of course, there's something behind that um, that's factual and part of his opinion as well. But he's a legendary comedian and one of the best of all time. And a lot of people think he's the best of all of all time. So can you cancel Dave Chappelle? Well, this entire special that is on Netflix now, it's called The Closer, is basically him talking about the relationship of um, his his comments in the past and transgendered groups and gay groups. And, you know, look, he goes for it. You know, this, he's a comedian. He's obviously got, uh, he says a lot of words you're not supposed to say. and says a lot of things you're not supposed to say. Um, there's an article in, uh, in NPR that says, For Dave Chappelle, punchlines are dares. His new special, The Closer, goes too far. They go through criticizing him for all the jokes he's making and actually have a very strange criticism of him. They say, Too often in The Closer, it just sounds like Chappelle is using white privilege to excuse his own homophobia and transphobia i don't know that dave Chappelle has white privilege maybe he does maybe they're just trying to say that he's vilifying white people so that he can vilify homophobes or uh, gay people and trans people it's really hard to follow what we're supposed to be pissed at on an everyday basis i'll say this Dave Chappelle is a unique voice, and he's a guy who says a lot of things that you're not going to like. There's a lot of things you're going to laugh at of this, even if uh, you totally disagree with him on every point. And his points are not conservative. This is what's interesting about this. Uh, You're never woke enough, ever. There's never a time where at the end of the day you wake up and you say, wow, I've, I've, I've finally made it. You know, Nick Foles, of course, legendary quarterback, a man who, if he joined ISIS-K tomorrow, I would still love and adore for his Super Bowl performance for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he had a quote once that said, uh, you never arrive. And I thought that was an interesting way of thinking about a career, your life. You never get there. You're never, you never come to that point where I've arrived and I don't have to do anything anymore. You always have to keep going. And as he's seen bouncing around from team to team and now for some reason the third string quarterback of the Chicago Bears, like you never are there. And it's kind of the same thing here. You're never woke enough. You're never going to be able to please the mob. No matter how hardcore left you are, you're never going to appease that woke mob. And maybe, just maybe, We should be more like Dave Chappelle and not care about the woke mob. Maybe we should come out and just kind of say whatever we want. I know it's easy for me to say that because it's kind of my job, right? It's my job to come out and run my mouth every day. And this is, you're watching or listening to one of the very few remaining arenas in the universe that incentivizes you to speak your mind. There's almost no place left. That's why we always talk to you about Blaze TV subscriptions, blazetvcom tv.com slash stew uh the reason i ask you to go there use the promo code stew you can save 10 bucks but the reason i ask you to go there is because there's just not a lot of places like this left a lot of people when they say they speak their mind they get tossed out on their ear And this is a place where people will be rewarded for that. And thank God that some of those exist, but there's not a lot of them left. For some reason, HBO seems to be at least a tiny pocket of this. At least part of their programming is uh, with the Bill Maher uh, show, uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. Uh, Maher has come out. He's on the Joe Scarborough podcast, which who knew he had one? He came out and he said, um, for the first time in my life, I am uh, playing to a mixed audience. I was in Nashville about a month ago and the audience was about 60-40 liberal to conservative. That never used to happen. Never. And I think it's because 10 years ago, in my opinion anyway, the left didn't have a crazy section. I would disagree, but still, there was no such thing as woke. And now they do have a crazy section, which I call out as, uh, as liberal. And I'm kind of one of the only people doing that. So there's a hunger to that. I think traditional liberals have had it with the far left of their own party, and they enjoy this too. To be able to play a crowd like it like I had in Nashville that was almost split even, that never happened before. And I think he's going into this point where, look, the, the audiences are hungry for this. They want you to speak your mind. They want you to call out this craziness. They want you to stand up and just say no when the nonsense is, is there. Stop it. Be loud and, and be uh, unafraid to say the things that you actually believe. It's something we're starving for. And I think audiences are hungry for it as well. Christmas is around the corner. It's true, right around the corner. And if you don't have your presents ordered by tomorrow, nothing will come in by Christmas because of supply chain issues. But don't worry, the country's operating very, very well right now. Uh, We do have some uh, presents. If you happen to be doing some Christmas shopping early, I advise you to go to stewdoesmerch.com. Stewdoesmerch.com. There you will find Taliban Joe merchandise. Uh, You will like, I think, a lot. The Colin Kaepernick thing is there for the sports fans. We have the LeBron T-shirt for sports fans. And in stock right now for Christmas, Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Check them out. People will love them and uh, probably hate you for it. But they were bad people if that's how they feel. Okay, so here's what happened. In California, people look up on the cliffs and they see a woman dangling, hanging for her life. She, was she trying to commit suicide? She's hanging on. Oh my gosh! 911 calls pour in. There's a woman up there. She's gonna die. Police rush to the scene, and they get there, and they realize it's a mannequin from a movie shoot, <laughs> dangling. Now, do do mannequin lives not matter? Why do people? Why are people okay with that? This mannequin life matters. MLM, which also means multi-level marketing.